the kids aren't even like doing anything no. that bad. He just turns around, just screams, "Pipe down in there!" And that's when I made the joke that he's definitely the kind of father who would throw an ashtray at his child. <laughs> Sinbad taking terrorism very lightly. How about the fact that he gives them a bomb and then it actually ends up being a bomb? Yeah. And, and it's everything's a... cool after that. Yeah, because it's a very wily Coyote bomb. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we talk about the mid-90s Christmas film, which is Jingle All the Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, filmtankshow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hello there again, everybody, and welcome in to episode 178 of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with one of my usual co-hosts, which is Nick Cheney. Hey! Hi. Hi. Also with us today is not Toussaint Egan... Uh, as he's been absent here for quite a while, although we are going to be happy to have him back next week when we're talking about the, uh, we'll be talking about the new Lars von Trier film next week, and uh, oh, that's right, he will be joining us for that. So that'll I am be pretty looking awesome. forward to that. I know. I like people murdering people. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I just like to murder people myself. <laughs> are you trying to tell me something? The house I'm sorry, that, where are we? It's the house that Nick built. Oh. That is true. <laughs> that's good. Also, too, Don't I like the that. the siding. I like, <laughs> I like that look you just gave me. That That's the look that Romy Malik gives everybody. Yeah. That's so. just his face, Can we though? talk about Romy Malik for a second here? That was one of the worst speeches I've ever heard. I actually didn't watch his speech. Good for you. Um, well, I mean, lo and behold, <laughs> he wasn't trying because that's just how he talks all the time. True. But so. <laughs> I I did see the moment, but I didn't have the volume on of uh, Bohemian winning Best Picture, where he's just standing off to the side in this weird kind of performative godsmack silence, and it was, you know what, he's a weird dude. He is, but I think also too he's got a little Jennifer Lawrence in him. Where oh, he's not, please don't say that. Where he's not as weird as people think he I is. I don't know. He just likes people to think that. I kind of think he is. I don't know, man. This is the same guy who's been, like, around. I'm trying to think of some random stuff that he's been in. I know, the but Pacific. he's got... Yes. The yeah, Pacific. He was on Night at the Museum. Night at, yeah, like, I don't know. I just... But he's got that persona of, like, he needs to play that. Like, he's got that... He's, he's I'm not a, saying he's not leaning into it, but he's, he's got a feel of somebody like Michael Richards who needs to play that. That I okay. he needs to play that Kramer character for the rest of his life now. Yeah, I guess I can kind of see that. I don't know. His speech was honestly just a fucking abomination. <laughs> I thought it had doesn't surprise me. It was heartless, remember, and it was it it was one of the most disingenuous things I've ever heard. Remember when life. we saw Bohemian Rhapsody and they played the, which is becoming frequently more common, which is kind of. Uh, 
disturbing where the actors and directors will film a little short video to thank you for coming, you know, to watch a movie yeah. in the theater, which on the one hand should really appeal to the inner film nerd in, in me. You know, like I, I genuinely But see, think, it's good when the filmmakers actually care about the film, yes. though. Yeah. And, um, but when we see a Rami Malik like stare at the camera unblinkingly and like just seem like they have no idea what they're actually doing there, it's just really creepy. Yeah, Rami Malik is weird. He kind of uh, reminds me a little, like his like mannerisms kind of reminds me a little bit of Kate McKinnon playing Lindsey Graham on <laughs> SNL. Yeah, no, I can totally. <laughs> it's kind of fucked up. Yeah, and what's <laughs> creepy is that uh, Hugh Jackman before the movie The Greatest Showman, when that was in theaters, mm-hmm. he had a puff piece before that movie was in theaters. I saw that movie twice in theaters, and. All the time that he was talking during, like, the puff piece, thanking, you know, whatever, I was like, you're so full of shit, but god damn it, you're charismatic. <laughs> and, like, it didn't bother me one bit. It's funny that you bring that up, because my mom <laughs> saw The Greatest Showman in theaters, and she was like, oh my god, you won't believe it. Before the movie started, Hugh Jackman thanked everybody for coming to the movies. And, and I was like, that's because people are going to the movies less and less. <laughs> absolutely. And I was, I was one of those where I was like... I was sitting there going, you know, this is fucking bullshit. But also, I, I'm into See, it. See, in some <laughs> in something like "They Shall Not Grow Old," the Peter Jackson documentary about World War One, that it totally make, fits yes. in something like that, yes. where he like wants to thank the audience for coming, but also at the same time thank them for giving time to his film about World War One, who no one cares about. What's and, yeah. What's unfortunate about this recent trend is that the first time I remember seeing this was before X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> and if that's the kind of film that started this trend, which I'm not saying it is, but just in my head as far as chronological, uh, we're, we're in bad shape. That's okay, because X-Men Apocalypse um, sort of was a catharsis for people who were victims of the Holocaust, so it's fine, right? Well, everything we build... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, the, he, he was able to come and destroy everything, so it was fine. Yeah, and if I want a Holocaust movie, I want it from Brian Singer. <laughs> <laughs> well, he knows about making people miserable, so it's fine. Sure does. <laughs> also, too, boy, howdy. All those people having to go up on stage. To, I actually did kind of appreciate that, even though that film should have never won for Best Picture. The fact that they had to go up and awkwardly try to not mention the director was fantastic. Oh, yeah, for Bohemian. Yeah, <laughs> and, that's true. Well, two things about that. One, Brian Singer's hilarious Instagram post where he thanks the Academy. And it's like, <laughs> buddy, no. Nope. Like, here's the thing. If you're a Quentin Tarantino and you got fired from your job, Evan, I went and saw a Quentin Tarantino movie that was finished by somebody else, I would be able to tell... If it was finished, not finished, but if it was, if it had Quentin Tarantino's stamp on it, sure. I'm sorry, but Brian Singer, you, I, you don't do anything other than direct. You don't actually have a singular vision. So the idea, <laughs> singular, but the idea that you are somehow like responsible for the final product. It's like, no, even if you did everything, and then the other guy just came in and signed the contract, you didn't do anything unique. Also, too, you tried to pretty much harpoon your own projects so yes. that's kind of weird although brian singer even with all the stuff that's come out about him and his likely demise in hollywood yeah in all actuality everything in the middle of when he was when he left x-men was shit 
And yeah. then when he came back, it started to be good again. I mean, for so, X-Men movies, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I like those movies, so I'm not going to necessarily say that you're wrong at yeah. all. But are they good enough movies to warrant what he's... Oh, no. No. Absolutely and I'm not, not saying that's what you're saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying at least... But yeah, in, no, in, no, in no. Your, in your it's unfortunate. example, yeah, no, no. at it's, least he's somebody who that. seems to have some sort of... Yeah. At least at some point, have he hasn't done anything unique yeah. since the Usual Suspects, in my opinion. Oh, that's true. Um, I want to say before we get into the meat of this episode, really quick, I want to fight you, Alex. Ooh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you have some strong words and opinions about Andy Samberg, and ex- I would assume about him and Sandra O oh hosting. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, Golden Globe. Yep. Let me just say this. Mm-hmm. I pretty much. Won't fight you on that, <laughs> but okay. For I'll, I'll say two things in defense of the hosting gigs as sure. by by both of them mm-hmm. as a unit, so to speak. Which is a I will go out on a limb and say I was kind of found it refreshing that it was slightly a positive and just kind of fun affair instead of trying to drag it down at every turn. Um, Like, there was barely any Trump jokes, if any. Like, I thought that was kind of nice or whatever. But B, just the big thing, holy shit, no matter what you thought about any other joke of the night, but his, in my opinion, hilarious, but also disturbing and accurate takedown of the uh, FBI's uh, treatment of the Black Panther activist was actually kind of brilliant because that's a thing that white people are not usually caught saying. And mm. for him to s- sneak that into his dumb shtick, uh, I actually thought that was like pretty great. Yeah, the hosting thing is re- weird yeah. because everybody wants to make it their own, but at the same time, everybody also doesn't want to be James Franco. Okay, so that was my question because mm-hmm. that's what they reminded me of most because that was the last time we had like the double host and people who were, I think were kind of yeah. brought in a, a, not the last second, but you know, whatever. Would you rather watch a, another award ceremony hosted by James Franco and Anne Hathaway or... Andy Samberg and Sandra O. Oh. Um, probably Andy Samberg and Sandra O. Oh, okay. Only because I feel like James Franco was trying to destroy the award ceremony that he was yeah. um hosting for. I agree. Which um Okay. Yeah. But no, no, no. uh he is kind of a deplorable person, I think, when True. it comes to doing that kind of stuff. So why why are we if if you don't want to be part of this then why did you sign up for this so yeah although i will say i i mean he's just doing a gig so yeah. whatever but i think annie sandberg showing up as the brooklyn 99's about to um premiere on that very station oh, yeah. is a little weird but it it's makes not sense. Weird. It's, it's just, not weird. Yes. It's, it's just it's just funny how it all just goes hand in hand. Yeah. I still think, and I will go down swinging on this, that he is one of the least funny people I've ever seen in my life. And, and I know he's got his own shtick, and I know a lot of people really do like it, including yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but legitimately, I can like watch somebody like Will Arnett and find his shtick funny, or Will Forte, and find humor in that. And every time I see Andy Samberg, I want to turn the television off. And here's what I'll say to that, which is that I, like you said, love Andy Samberg. Not because he's great, but because he's unfortunately right up my alley. And uh, But 
separate from that, I thought Sandra Oh was kind of wonderful. Like, just as far as, like, she seemed very genuine about a lot of things. And then, of course, when she won her award. But uh, I actually thought her speech before she won her award about representation was, like, pretty great. And because they kept weaving Andy Samberg's dumb white male... Uh, cluelessness into her uh, whatever. I, I thought he was the perfect uh, sidekick to her, basically. But. So, I will say the one genuinely great moment from the Golden Globes yes. was Gol- uh, Glenn Close's speech, which I thought was fantastic. I for, thought that was really good, was too. Was it for the wife? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I actually saw the speech. Which is okay. Yes. Um, okay. And I mean, there wasn't anything... I clocked out after an hour and a half, I think. Good for you. This year. <laughs> good for you. Um, there wasn't anything about it that was, like, overly amazing. Like, it was it was all stuff that was relevant and works here, Um but it was her delivery was fantastic. And I really do think there is something about that we've gone through we've gone through the Me Too movement, we've gone through Oscar So White. Yep. And yet the older community has had no one caring about it yet. Yeah. And I find it very interesting that you have Somebody else did that though. Yeah. Um Carol Burnett kind okay. of weaved that into her speech, didn't she? She but, kind of not the older community, but she said that she had a she waxed nostalgia for the era in which shows were allowed to breathe on network TV, and I kind of actually disagree with her in the sense mm-hmm. that I love Carol Burnett and mm-hmm. I love her show, and no one loves classic television. I think on this podcast more than I do. No. So just in general, however, I think that was kind of a get off my lawn moment because. In this day and age of streaming, whatever, we've gotten some very interesting shows that never would have actually been allowed to exist. So I'm with her in the sense that, you know, certainly we're in a different climate, but it's not so much that her show couldn't exist now. It's just that her show is of her time. And if you want that show, then watch her show. Like, that's that's like my biggest thing, because most people just won't watch shows from before 20 years ago. But the great thing about... Glenn Close's speech is that, A, it felt actual, genuine, and heartfelt, unlike Rumi Malik. But also, (laughs) she wasn't, like, going out of her way to say anything about age discrimination or anything like that. It felt like it just kind of flowed through it. And she was talking a lot about females and living their dreams and actually being people um, and not just whatever. Um, But it just, a lot of things just worked well together in her speech. And the other thing is, too, is... It's Glenn Close doing it, who actually I think is a much more talented version of somebody like Meryl Streep. I agree so, with you. I agree with that. Yeah, she was in the fourth season of The Shield, and she's fantastic in that. Mm. But it I've, is nice when she gets some recognition. And is it actually able to give like an actual speech or something? Yes. I'd agree. So I yes. didn't know that Brian Singer had an Instagram, so I had to find yeah, it to yes, see he does. to see exactly what the fuck was on there and it's a lot of self-flagellating about the fact Mm. that he was directing Bohemian Rhapsody and the same thing with like everything else he's pretty much done. He did a memorial post when um, Carrie Fisher died and one of the comments is somebody saying if she knew the truth about you she would fucking fuck you up. (laughs) This is why I I appreciate the internet. did, Did he ever work with her? Uh, no, but it says that one time she, like, gave him a tour or something, and then there's, like, a candid photo of them. Ooh. 
I like whatever. too how uh, Star Wars. Now that we're mentioning Carrie Fisher, uh, as soon as she died, said she's not going to be in that ninth movie, and basically now she's going to be like the main character of it, which I think is really. I no, mean, yeah, like obje- I, I, mean, yes I haven't no. read anything about the new they movie. They said she's not going to be in it at Yeah, they all. pretty much said that The Last Jedi was going to be her... Correct. Like, That's, not it, swan song, because obviously it was unplanned. They, they, they said mm-hmm. she's not going to be in it at all, period, was the, was the first stamp of this is the definitive decision. It's like Heath Ledger. We're not commenting on it. She's gone. That's it. Then... Well, we have some old footage from the last two films, and we're going to figure out a way to weave that in, which immediately made me feel like Tony's mother from The Sopranos, yeah. and I was horrified for a second. And then, to be f- oh, yeah. I was going to yeah. say, and then we've reached the third level now, where she's got family members coming out saying, they have her blessing, but she's going to be a major player in this film. And uh, I was like, fuck. See, that's oh, dear. bad, because I'm not even like 100% against that idea, but I don't trust J.J. Abrams to make a good enough movie to also be able to support something like that. Like, There's so much going on already. Yeah, like you have to film. just wrap it up anyway, so why not? Like, As much as it would suck, you could just not have her in it and still have a decent movie. So, anyway. There's also this weird obsession in Hollywood, which I found weird. When people actually die in real life, their characters cannot cease to exist. They yeah. have to just have gone on to some special place I mean, we saw probably the biggest example in the Fast and the Furious series where literally he had to drive off into the sunset. And that was unfortunate because that was like the best thing you could possibly do because it was amazing. Right. But (laughs) But it it was great. But like they will go out of their way to not kill characters even though humans have died, which is so weird to me. No, like can we just give it up really quick though to the Fast and the Furious (laughs) for being such a ridiculous franchise that they're the only – big blockbuster franchise that have actually handled a actor's death well because they didn't... They didn't do an imaginary Dr. Parnassus thing. No, like, it it was like they single-handedly and simultaneously dedicated the film to them in spiritual and, you know, whatever ways, but also they didn't actually make the film about them, and it it was just, anyway. And also, too, all of the scenes where, like, his brothers came in felt way more genuine... Than Henry Cavell's mustache in the Justice League, or movie. Bruce Willis <laughs> as a young, or Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a young Bruce Willis and Looper, or, or early on when we see uh, his progression into Bruce Willis, and Bruce Willis has this terrible toupee. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, we're getting way off. What topic movie are here. we talking about tonight? Yeah. So we're not talking about the Golden Globes or Star Wars what? or Looper. We should. <laughs> Can can I butt in? I don't oh think yes, you, please do. I don't think you. This is all we do. We, this yeah. is all we do on this podcast. Honestly, is, the movie we're talking about is not good, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, so please, come on. There's plenty of fun to be had with okay. this film. I will actually. Well, continue. I was just gonna say, Alex didn't introduce me yet. I was oh, actually going to say that's that too. True. <laughs> See, I I thought about I I thought I did, so I kind of just and in all honesty, you have been on this podcast. You're yeah, but you introduced me, and I've been on I know, every I, episode. That is very much true. Thank you for <laughs> undressing me. <laughs> so, Anna, you should feel like shit. Yes. So, I anyways, feel like shit. Oh. Oh. Uh, well, I'm glad I was able to make you feel that emotion. Anyways, Anna Bodizadu is joining us 
uh, she's given her two cents on certain things, and she now officially can be on the episode. So welcome. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Anytime. Anytime. Always we won't actually... always introduce you, but you're always welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> did you have a thought on something else, or did you just want to have your name brought up? I just wanted to make sure you like introduced <laughs> that's me. That's fair. Forgot about me. <laughs> no, it's, that, that's that's that's. <laughs> I just very... like mostly because like your introduction usually isn't interrupted for that long. No, that was a long one. Yeah. Oh no, that was. <laughs> it's gonna be. I like. I just feel like now we can cut into like curb your enthusiasm song as they can begin the episode with yeah. only four minutes left and it's like wait a minute yep we're yeah. done yeah pretty much so uh now that anna is here which is great and also myself and nick are here hey. again no toussaint he's off uh, oh. probably seeing venom right now <laughs> venom venom that's my eminem impression oh good man that song wasn't good nope i'm who wants to who wants to make a wager that he will make a song for the sequel. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm mm. sure he will. I, I like to. <laughs> That's all we got. I like that the uh, whoever the writer was for that film just got announced that they are coming back. Well, that was Ruben Fleischer, was it? Or did he only direct? No, he it? was the director. I thought he wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, it was announced, and then like there was a story floating around the other day about how ooh, there's going to be a sequel. I'm like, the fuck. First wow. of all, it was one of the most successful films of the year, right, right, right. and it had like the hardest. There's going to be a sequel. Yeah, scene that, at the end. That tease in a while. Literally, <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. That's weird. So I fucking hate social Hollywood. media when it when it comes to movies and rumors. Social media is the fucking worst. That's true. I agree. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I've seen <sighs> so many articles in the past week or two about what. Star Wars Episodes Nine's title will be to the point where well Mark Hamill said the title is going to be Thank You Next because he got harassed by a fan (laughs) which was pretty good (laughs) but I've heard that the title I think there's a rumor right now and this is fucking stupid so I don't care but I'm going to say it anyway Uh the rumor is that apparently the title of Episode Nine is something that was said in the Phantom Menace, or one of the three films in that original trilogy, or not original, but okay. uh, prequel trilogy. It's just gonna, it's just gonna be Episode Nine, Midichlorians. But the idea that awesome. that <laughs> would get Star Wars fans dick wet. No man, this, this that, that that would do it. And that's what I don't understand because <laughs> clearly that means that I will never love Star. Like I actually do. I'm kind of coming around it as far as like I like Star sure. Wars. I definitely like the original trilogy yeah, and yeah. whatever. But like I hear things like that and I hear how fucking crazy people get about that kind of a tease and I'm like, well, I guess I'm never going to be on that board because even like Marvel shit I try to figure out or something because I'm just like, it's oh. funny because I will say this about uh, Endgame. Yeah. If you were paying attention during the last film, it seems obvious now that that's the title of this film. And yet I was yeah. just like trying to think about what it was going to be. And I was like, oh man, they've done a good job with this. And it comes out and I was like, oh, of course. I was just hoping it would be called part two. Yeah. But that's just Something. me. Yeah. So. The thing about Endgame is that like that's a decent title. Whatever. We can move on. But yet there have been articles saying that something like Joe or the Russo brothers, I should say both of them, quote unquote knew the title before they made the first film i'm like that's not like news that's like of course they did it like, just means they planned why, why no, would no. they have written an entire film with that no. was clearly a duology yeah. without knowing 
what the second film would be in concept. Well, they would, right. knew what it was going to be, but they said that they couldn't release it because it would say too much about the first film. But it doesn't. I know. Like, you could literally not show a single trailer, moment, whatever, from the, uh, Infinity War. And if you said Endgame was the second movie's title... You said Endgame was going to be the film where all the characters from the first uh, part of it are going to be gone. You'd be like, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Or it'd be, <laughs> it'd be like the same thing as calling it, like, the final chapter. Or... Avengers the last. I mean, it's just... It's, it's just... Uh. Anyway. Yeah. The idea that we are so caught up in fucking film titles, it's really starting to grate on me. I'm so caught up in my idea for the end of the Avengers movie, and I don't want to get into predictions because that is the nerdiest shit you can ever do. But if... We'll probably get there in Captain Marvel. Probably. <laughs> so excited. Uh, If... If yeah. um, Tony Stark kills Thanos by having uh, the missiles that he used to build shoot into him and he explodes, it'll be the coolest shit ever. So I'm just putting that out there. Yeah, we shall see. The Jericho missile comes in and just like shoots into a million pieces and then comes in all around and just Thanos just blows up into a big purple blob. That would be awesome. Yeah. Mm. I think it'd be great. Speaking of Captain Marvel, I bought tickets for it already, by the way. So that happened. You watch what? I bought tickets for Captain Marvel already. Did you? Believe it or not. For who? Um, for me. Cool. Emily. Cool. You. <gasps> really? Yes. And Where'd you buy them? I mean, like, what theater? <laughs> uh, Charlestown. Okay. Yeah. I was actually going to text you and be like, hey, should we get tickets for this? Yeah. So. And one other person who will be lucky enough to join us that All will right. probably not be Tucson, because I believe he has a class on Thursday. Yeah. But cool. I Can't am... wait to hear how. So, so we have, although Tim wouldn't be able to go, because they only got four. So. Oh, no, that's okay. It's a possibility. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You may oh, want yeah. to go because fuck Tim. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely not why. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's a possibility, but I might, uh, you have a point, probably going to reserve it to watch it. Which is him. totally fine. I'm sure we will find somebody who's interested. It's early March, right? It is. Okay. It is March like 8th. March 8th. Yes. I will say, and this is the last thing we can talk about before we talk about the actual <laughs> film. We're not talking It'll about actually that. be shorter than yeah. the actual. Um, it says a lot about this movie. I am, yeah. I am actually super pumped for Captain Marvel. Me too. I don't know if I've been as excited for a film in a while. I will say. No, yes. you go. No, no, you go first. Okay, so they had like a feature on Captain Marvel the other night. I heard about that, but right. I didn't watch it. Because, like, they were, like, basically now that the Golden Globes have happened, it's now, like, perfect time to promote Captain Marvel. So Brie Larson thought she was going to do her own stunts, and she came on set, like, with the idea, like, that she would have to do that. So she trained for months, and then they were like, no, you don't have to do that. And she was like, okay, well, I did all this work anyway, so can I do some of them? And they were like, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. I thought that was really awesome. She seems like a pretty At first, that was like person. a sad story. <laughs> but then when you said that she actually got to do some of them, then I was like, okay, that's cool. Yeah. She's, she's probably bummed, because she probably has like a 13-film contract with them right now. Yeah. So yeah. she's fucked. Yeah. Although she's probably very rich, too. Yeah. So, you know, I will say... As someone who's not the biggest Marvel fan, uh, that Captain Marvel was definitely the first film in quite some time that I'm actually looking forward to, besides Guardians Volume 2. Mm-hmm. But that was a sequel, so that was not a new property in the The MCU. idea that they have something that predates what the the entirety of the MCU yeah. is that seems pretty pr- wonderful. I'm excited for that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for sure. I w- the other thing I will say is that 
if the trailers are misleading, and this is not a Brie Larson, Samuel L. Jackson buddy cop movie. Oh, I think it's going to be. And and that's all I... But if they're really cherry-picking certain scenes to make it seem like that, I will be sl- kind of disappointed. I'll agree, but I, I, I actually don't think it's going to be like that. So I think that's going to be the, so. the meat and potatoes of the film. I would hope so. Because my guess is, from the structure, and this is super nerdy. I mean, it would make sense based it on would, what they've teased. But it seems like this film's going to follow a very similar structure to something like The Winter Soldier did, where it, the film pretty much starts and ends with these same two people going through the entirety of a story. Yeah. Um, but it's great because you're getting two origin stories here. You're also getting, in a way, Samuel L. Jackson... And also, too, this seems like the definitive CGI de-aging. We're here where it can make somebody actually for an entire film look younger. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, we'll see know. how that goes for sure. It's looked good in the trailer, I will say. It is in the not trailer, it does. Awkward Robert Downey Jr. No. So, Which I still hate. I know. I know you do. And I understand. Um, but I am super pumped. I think Brie Larson's great. I think she's... Wonderfully casted, oh, yeah. and the fact that she has a Nine Inch Nail shirt on at one point <laughs> during one of the trailers is yeah. just phenomenal. I saw that, too. I thought that was pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. So, we will see how it goes. So, the actual film we are discussing. Good episode. Yeah, good job, guys. <laughs> I gotta go. Is uh, the 1996 family comedy, which is Jingle All the Way, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sinbad, and then also Rita Wilson, Phil Hartman, uh, Martin Mole, Jim Belushi, and also a wonderful child performance by Jake Lloyd before he went on to super fame in The Phantom Menace. Jake Lloyd Holbrook. Second Phantom Menace reference on this episode. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Damn it. So, Jingle All the Way surrounds a father as he vows to get his son a Turbo Man action figure for Christmas. However, every store is sold out of them, and he must travel all over town and compete with everybody else. Not just certain people, everybody else, in order to find one. Everybody. Gary Everyone! (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So... I think I'll start off yeah. as I was the one who was championing us <laughs> doing an episode. That is correct. On this film. Not me, surprisingly. Uh, yeah, this seems like it would be the kind of Christmas film that you would I mean, I, I, I enjoy, but mm-hmm. continue. Anywho, uh, I watched this a lot when I was growing up. As I was, you know, around nine when this came out. Uh, so this kind of hit right in that age of like superhero-ish type things uh it was probably right after i was getting out of power rangers which this film is clearly riffing off of like big time um and yet when i was a kid i found this movie to be very entertaining and also uh it all felt very much just like what you would hope would happen if you were a little kid uh and you liked a superhero and then it ended up being your dad and something like that um so then i got older and now i'm you know in my early 30s and what i love so much about this film is this is a incredible time capsule for the late 90s as this film is doing so many things whether it be um 
terrible parenting, which was a hallmark of the late '90s uh, family films. Uh, shopping in shopping malls, which is, <laughs> I mean, not not that's not existent, but it is a much yeah. different climate now. Uh, not having cell phones or other devices to contact people, and lackadaisical terrorist. Uh, <laughs> Shall we say uh, procedures? <laughs> and I will say the other thing is this film hits all of the right notes for me for the corny, bad, late 90s family film. Yeah. Uh, as there is so many things here that are happening that are honestly disgraceful. But yet at the time in the 90s, people were like, oh, that's fun. He just fucking killed a deer. <laughs> It's all good. And oh no, Honestly, the deer's still alive, so he's going to try to poison it to death now with alcohol. Here's the thing, though. Killing a deer is not as disturbing as what happens. <laughs> Punching a deer in the face and then supplying it with alcohol is... Thinking that's somehow nourishing yeah, it. <laughs> ...is far more disturbing than just, like, putting a deer out of his misery. Something I will say, though, um, and I'll pass it on then as I have more thoughts here, but overall, I do quite enjoy this film. Uh, I, I think it is very fun to watch 23 years later because this is a, a film that has not necessarily aged well, but I think that's okay because I think this shows its age and it's pretty wonderful for doing so. Um, there are creepy pedophilia undertones throughout this entire film and it is fucked up. And I don't know if it was like completely intentional early then. And I know that they comment on it, that he's a pervert when he's like chasing after a child. I that they but commented on it because yeah. it still seems weirdly before the era of like rampant uh, <laughs> Catholic pedophilia, so yeah. to speak. And I say that because that was our most flagship, uh, sure. you know, I don't know, news story of it. Mm -hmm. But no, I, because I made a joke, like, and they're not even going to comment on it. And then, of course, they do. Yeah. Not quite in the way that they probably would today. No. But, um, it, well, I was, hey, I, I yeah. don't think any of those kind of things would happen in films that, no. these days, especially Christmas films that are trying to be family oriented. Christmas, uh, yes, that is a big 90s thing. I mean, you look at the 90s and you have, is Home Alone in the 90s? Yeah. I mean, like, if it's, it's, it's early. Even 90s. if it was 80s, it would be a it's, 90s it's, film. It, I, think, I think the first one actually is 1990. Okay. But, I'm not but you have Home Alone, The Santa Claus, and Jingle All the Way. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice addition, Anna. <laughs> let, al let alone, <laughs> you have uh, Home Alone, uh, Jingle All the Way, The Santa Claus. Let alone anything I'm else uh, I'm forgetting. Mm -hmm. But that seemed like a very ripe period of like sending things to the box office in a seasonal manner that even now we don't quite do. Like we we have box office seasons, not calendar seasons. But you also don't have. Uh, and Home Alone is much different than this, but you don't have this idea of the the Christmas gift that is reaching that is out of your grasp. Yeah, no, that would be a person just on their phone trying to sure. submit their Amazon cart 
and they're just furious because this is not a prime eligible seller and this is bullshit. And like even though Black Friday is a huge thing even today, it still doesn't really compete with like what I remember my parents having to go through to get me like Oh sure. The last thing I remember, like as far as like the 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 oldest I ever was and asked for something that was hard to get was the Nintendo Wii. Oh wow, yeah. I feel like that was like the last big thing that was you know small quantity, uh, whatever. And I heard the story after Christmas because I ended up getting one because my parents are angels. Uh, I heard the story that like my father had to actually wait in line at midnight, oh, not sure. even Black Friday, but whatever night that they were gonna get them or mm-hmm. something. Uh, wait until he got his ticket, and my mom was in the car drinking hot cocoa. And <laughs> um, so funny, anyway. funny story about actually like. Going out and like physically going to multiple places to try to find something, yeah. which and that was like the fourth time that yeah. they had tried to get one. By yeah, the way. but yes. which, which is which is a struggle that my guess is, even though people do physically go and shop now for things and for special deals, whatever that it is, completely different now yeah. in the age we live in. However, um, there is a wonderful uh, little moment in my my grandfather had just acquired a video camera for the very first yeah. time. On a Christmas, and this is when I was like four years old or something like that. And he three. videotaped your karate uh, belt ceremony? No. So he had videotaped, and if uh, my grandfather passed away years ago, but uh, if anyone ever met him, he liked to rub people's face in it about certain things that he'd <laughs> done. So he's like, before people are like coming in to do like opening of gifts and everything. He's doing this like bizarre establishing shot of all the surroundings as he's acquired a camera for the very first time and doesn't know what he's doing. That's pretty great. And he's giving a commentary while he's doing it, which also is fantastic on this particular video because he doesn't understand. I don't think that you don't have to move the camera every time you move your head. So it just keeps moving up and down when he keeps looking around and it's fantastic. Anyways. So, he gives commentary on some of these gifts that are in the packages, and then he zooms in on the individual packages wrapped in. <laughs> but the fact that he's like, oh, well, for when you watch this, your grandma went to 14 stores to find this. <laughs> and the one for my brother is a video cassette of the second Naked Gun film, which yeah, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That somebody had to go to 14 stores to find that. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, the struggle will never be known by this generation. No. So, the anyway, past, like... Sorry, I was oh, going right. to say, yeah. the past three to four Christmases where I've bought stuff for myself, but, like, were, <laughs> quote-unquote, <laughs> ticket items, like, I bought online. Sure. I just went to Target.com or whatever and was like... Somebody will actually physically deliver it to your house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They'll even gift wrap so it for you it's, if you it's want. It's just unfortunate, but as much as I don't want to go back to that, there is something weirdly kind of sweet about the idea that I didn't just get a Nintendo Wii. I got my parents debasing themselves for capitalism (laughs) and deciding that for whatever reason, they liked me enough to do that shit. The other thing about it, too, is it seems like there was so many specialty stores back then, which is weird because the further we've gotten on, the more, like consolidated it's gotten, even though now everyone just buys everything on the internet for the most part when it comes to holiday shopping. 
But the idea that people had to go to like 14 different stores to get four gifts, yep. it's like, wait a minute, these numbers aren't adding up. Yeah, you you have to <laughs> go to BB Games, and then you have to go to Toys R Us, and then you, which... Fuck's BB Games. Oh, you mean man. EB Games? Was it EB? Yeah, it was that's, EB that's Games. true. I thought, yeah. you were going for, uh, I thought you were going for KB Toys there, but that's all right. I was literally thinking of both of those at the same time. <laughs> okay, um, and they just morphed together? Pretty much. Yeah. KB Toys is where I bought my Nintendo 64. Oh. EB Games is what I was thinking of when I was thinking of like a... Which, oh man, the... This is random, but the mall, the Charlestown Mall, which is my local mall, mm-hmm. uh, used to have a GameStop, but it was not called GameStop. It was called Babbage's. And I was just reminded <laughs> of that. I remember that. Yeah, I was yes. just reminded <laughs> that the other day where I was like, oh my God, that was a real store title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. We're going to come for old circular because I'm going to have the third Phantom Menace mentioned on this very episode. Dang. I know. Uh, the last time Wait, I remember... the third Phantom Menace? What does yes. that mean? The, men- the third the, mention. I've mentioned it for the third time, or somebody's oh, mentioned okay. it for the third I'm time. Like, they made three of those fuckers? <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Phantom Much Menace, volume delight. three. Yes. Yeah. Come on, man. Jar Jar somehow snuck around, stuck around for all three of those movies, so, you know. Yes, Massa. Yeah, that wouldn't have happened now. He would have been killed off in the second one early on. Thankfully. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, this is how nerdy I was yes. and still am. Um, but the last time I remember going to KB Toys uh, is when I was collecting Star Wars action figures. Hey, and I was having they're a called very... dolls. Sure thing. In buddy. this movie, they are for oh, the most part. Well, yeah, they're, they're, it's kind of mentioned back and forth about it. But anyways, uh, I have an extensive Star Wars collection of toys uh, as I played with all of the you know ones from the original films, and I had the Millennium Falcon and all those characters. So I wanted to get the ones from the new film. Uh, and Darth Maul was very difficult to find. Oh, I, I can imagine. Yep. So, anyways, I went to a KB Toys, and this is very interesting when you're a kid and you like don't understand how the world works. Yeah. And <laughs> I asked the manager, whoever, I'm like, "Do you have Darth Maul?" He's like, "Well, we may have one in the back. I'll go look for you." And he goes, and he actually did have one in the back, <laughs> and he brought it, and I was like the most excited thing. And this guy probably just wanted to get the fuck out of there and go drink somewhere because he works at KB Toys and he had to go look through their fucking stock box. They probably just got delivered that day and see if they had a fucking Darth Maul action figure. So I was really excited and I still got that shit. So there Can you I, go. Really quickly, and then we're going to pass it to Anna on, no, no, <laughs> but on, on her thoughts on this film. Okay. But I want to talk about... Really quick, a random story about KB Toys where I also didn't know how the world works. <laughs> so I went into a KB Toys when I was nine, I think. Um, and when the Nintendo 60, and I just mentioned it earlier, that's where I bought a Nintendo 64, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the very first thing I ever saved up money to buy on my own. And that was a big deal. I think it was like $100 or something like that. So mm-hmm. I don't even know how the fuck I did that at nine years old, but whatever. But here's the thing. I. And as someone who had a video game system before, because I had the Super Nintendo, I knew how this worked, but I just, when you're blinded by wanting something, you just don't think about anything other than, you know, your goal or whatever. So I remember going into the KB Toys and going to the, you know, the shelf where there was a Nintendo 64, and I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> and the my parents probably was the one who, like, picked it up, you know, whatever. And then it, like, fucking hit me. That I had enough money for a system and not for a game. 
Like as a child, that was like like I was like in my head because I hadn't done anything yet. It's not like I said put it back or whatever, but I was like super embarrassed because I was like I did all of this and I was so proud of myself because I'm here and I'm ready to buy the whatever, and yet I'm not actually going to be able to use this thing or whatever. And of course, because my parents, you know, are parents and their whatever that that was their plan all along was to buy me a game but like for a good like five minutes i thought i was doing like a walk of shame to the counter where i was going to be buying something that i had no use for whatsoever <laughs> because it wasn't until then that my parents were like well wait you have to pick out a game and i was like oh thank fucking god because this was really awkward this is really random but didn't nintendo 64 come with uh, the super mario game no really that was like a launch game at least not the... Oh, man. I, I, Nintendo is famous for doing bundles, but the thing I was buying was just the system. I felt like the basic system, all of them came with the er, with the first Mario game. For yeah, that. Only because I have mm. a vivid memory, I'm not... And okay. that was one of the first games I bought. Uh, in fact, I picked that, and my brother, because even though it was my system, he got to pick a game, of course. That uh, bu- there was a bullshit early level in that Mario game for Nintendo 64, where you have to throw Bowser around, that weird uh, turntable thing. Yeah, that's a very... Uh, that's stop top land or whatever yeah but that's uh, yeah. like like the very opening it's level great. and you have to whip them around and like yeah. it looks so cool then God, it was, that's so it dumb. Was great i'm sorry <laughs> no no but i i chose that and my brother chose the nwo versus wwf i want to say or wwe uh it would be wcw versus nwo yes, that's what it was yep. so anyway uh anyway that's my random kb toys which story. i'm sure fic um uh, star. Well, not star, but one of the characters in that I'm sure was the giant who is played um, by the guy who's in Jingle All the Way. That is. That's actually what I was going to ask you while we were watching it. Was is was he a professional wrestler? He's more well known for his time with the WWE, where he's been known as the Big Show. Okay. Um, but he was known as the giant, and they made him wear this awkward like tarzan outfit but he's the uh, seven foot three guy who weighs 450 pounds and he's wearing this weird like loincloth kind of thing when it comes it doesn't work out hmm. when it comes to professional wrestlers in christmas movies all i can think about is goldberg in uh uh that opening God scene it, what's it is called? wonderful uh santa slay is that uh is that opening scene on youtube do you know probably we should show it everybody anna. should watch we it. should show it to anna if not i, I don't think she'll be prepared up. No. For what that is, it's the best scene in ever. All right. No, anyway. you, you you have no context for it, right? No, no I don't. And, and he hasn't told you anything about it. I don't think we're so. done recording this episode. We're gonna watch that, even though it might and be we'll it might go. be daylight for tomorrow by the that's time we're that's fine. Going. No, this is it is. Um, even though I had no interest in watching the movie, and God bless his heart, Nick didn't make me sit through it. I didn't. But at the same time, this opening scene is really something. I did force you to watch that, though, and that's fine. And we may. I, I'm fine forcing other people to watch it because I think it is, it is kind of fucked up. It is, and it's wonderful. Okay, Anna, Anna, what did you think of Jingle All the Way? Okay, what did I think of this Jingle? Was your all first the way? time watching it. That's true. So the first time I've even heard of this movie is when my hairdresser brought it up a couple months ago because she said it's one of her favorite holiday films, and I was like, "What's that?" And she was like, "Oh my gosh, you've never seen it. You totally should." And then here I am. I watched it for the first time tonight <laughs> with you guys, Yay. and I really enjoyed it Um, I thought this was a really good you know Christmas movie Um, I liked the fact that Arnold was totally not a good actor for this character but he works as a dorky dad yeah I mean yes but I mean you could tell he was struggling with like a lot of it but still I mean still happening 
Right. That's yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, I liked pretty much every element that this movie had to offer. There was like the side plot with the main character's wife and the neighbor who Phil Hartman was <laughs> lovely and so great. may he rest in peace. Um, mm-hmm. I thought Jake Lloyd was adorable, but I've always thought he was adorable. So that wasn't really a surprise. I'm a to person. Me. And my name is Anakin. Exactly. <laughs> This is Padre. He's actually he actually seemed like he may have ended up being a decent actor if he would have just kept on the path, but unfortunately he got dragged into that George Lucas dribble bullshit. So Well, and then he quit and just, you know, does, does well, whatever now. Unfortunately for him, he did that and then went into middle school, which was like a nightmare yeah. scenario. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean that would be for anybody. Um yeah. but yes, I did really like this movie. I like how it pretty much all came together at the very end and we get all of this setup of, you know, Jake Lloyd wanting Turbo Man and then at the end it turns out his dad was Turbo Man the whole time. So um There's or, a uh, lot about that final scene that you could actually go through and like tease out, which is wonderful. Even though the final scene is kind of silly, at the same time there is a lot happening there. Yeah, exactly. And I thought Sinbad was probably, maybe, possibly at the peak of his career at this point. I mean, who yeah. who could have known? Um but yeah, he was definitely <laughs> like exactly. So that was definitely like him doing his own thing and um interesting foil to Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I did really like this a lot and it did make me laugh, mostly because Alex could not stop laughing at certain points and that just made me laugh. So he was it up. Yeah. I was. But it Still was am. I was Chicken fingers, my <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised with this movie, and I had no idea what to expect from it. So, nice. yeah, I did really like it. Awesome. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm with Alex in the sense that I watched this when it first came out, and I was uh, definitely, I guess, younger, but obviously young enough to just uh, fall in love with this at sure. that time. Mm-hmm. Um so what's interesting about this movie is that I have memories of my grandpa who died in the year 2000. So I only knew him for like less than a decade. Uh, in the year 2000. <laughs> I'm sorry. I tried yeah. so hard to not do that. That's Fuck right. you, Conan. Still a good joke. <laughs> it is. Still it a is. good joke. He would. My grandpa would appreciate that. Yes. Actually or not? No, actually, yeah. No. <laughs> he, uh, he was a very funny guy and he loved me because I was. Funny how? <laughs> like a clown. Um, but no he um, loved movies and he loved uh, me and he always used to tell my parents he was going to like I this, people are going to take this the wrong way because <laughs> you know it's just one of those things where whatever but like he was going to kidnap me and take me to Hollywood you know whatever because I was such a energetic kid and did whatever. you have a ball with a number on it no, that he you could did get a turbo not. man <laughs> I'm saying he was adorably invested in the fact that he thought I was funny when I was a young kid and you know what I was you still are I am and um <laughs> I w- here's I just, what's yeah I just that's like the inverse of when Michonne says on the walking dead I used to have a baby and he thought I was very funny <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and when I was young, um, I what's funny is that I look back and my grandpa loved movies. And I also can say that he had terrible taste in movies. There are two movies that I remember him loving to the point where when I was a young age. So it makes sense. He like had to take me to the theater to watch them. The first one, or I don't know chronologically, but obviously the second one is the movie we're talking about. The first one, though, is... Ernest Goes to Camp. No. Is Flubber. 
Oh, with yeah. With Robin Williams. As a kid, I loved Flubber. Yes, and Flubber was something he was like freaking out about <laughs> taking me to. I'm not saying that, now, you know. did he love the original? Because I actually owned the original. I actually you? loved the original. I've Flubber. never seen the original. I, I owned it on VHS okay. when I was a kid. I thought the original was actually fantastic. And I'm sure it is. I think it was one of those things where he was a grandpa. So, like, he saw a Robin Williams vehicle coming out for, you know, children or whatever. So, it was that. And then it was Jingle All the Way. Like, he wanted, he took me, my grandma, and we barely went to the movies, like, like, with just my grandparents, but to go see Jingle All the Way. Did your brother go? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. This seems like the kind of movie he would enjoy. Yeah. And um, so we all watched. So I remember that this was a formative part of my childhood holiday memories. And I watched it all the time. Like, after I saw it, I got it on VHS, all that good stuff. I haven't seen it now in quite, like, maybe a decade or so. Sure. Uh, it's been a while. And then we uh, <laughs> then we watched it tonight. And I got to say, this movie sucks. <laughs> And I quite enjoy it. And not because, like, it's so bad it's good. It's just, it's so wrapped up in the moment it came out that it's hard to judge it uh, 20-something years later. Oh, no. This film is somebody who decided to get a large fountain in their wedding cake. And they have to look back at the photos and be like... That was a decision. I was going to say, it's a choice. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's not my wedding. Maybe I wouldn't do things this way. But I'm not going to tell someone else how to start their marriage. And you enjoyed <laughs> being at the wedding the whole time. Exactly. I'm not going to tell somebody they should not wear pirate sleeves on their <laughs> wedding dress. But boy, yes. howdy, did they do it. Did they? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I was pleasantly surprised in rewatching it because I found parts that I thought were atrocious and hilarious like to laugh at as an adult. And yet, at the end of the day, it's extremely acceptable holiday family fair. Like, I don't know why someone would get that upset about something like this existing because, unfortunately, even if it's bad at points, they don't make these movies anymore. No. And that's what's kind of, like, really helping it, so to speak. But, man, there is just, there is a lot of hilariously good stuff in here from Arnold punching a reindeer in the fucking face <laughs> to Sinbad taking terrorism very lightly. How about the fact that he gives them a bomb and then it actually ends up being a bomb? Yeah. and, and it's Everything's a, cool after that. Yeah, because it's a very wily Coyote bomb because it doesn't really do anything. It does enough to let you know, wink, wink, that it's a bomb, but it's not like a real bomb. And then let's talk about how when Sinbad is is going toward one of the many plastic balls in the store and in the yes. struggle he shouts Rodney King. That I genuinely <laughs> like do not remember from my childhood, which makes sense exactly. because I, Why I wouldn't would you? know. What... I think I think that that actually is actually a weird thing looking back on because I think that's in a lot of films. Oh yeah, and I think it's actually said a lot of times by white people. Oh, which right. is so fucked up. It's it's one of those things where if you watch anything from the '90s, you'll hear an OJ joke somewhere. Right. Which is not to say that even like obviously OJ kind of has somewhat more longevity as far as it spanned it. 
shall we say, the crime itself into media sensation. Oh, if you, if you show Jingle All the Way to somebody who was like 15 right now, they'd have no idea who the fuck Rodney King exactly. was. But they may have at least heard O.J. Simpson. OJ. Yeah. Sure. Even I remember if they when I found out Rodney King died. That was pretty crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, but yeah, that scene where he's screaming Rodney King is one of those things where it's like, you know what's weird? It's like, I remember vague race racism jokes or race jokes, I should say. Uh, but I don't remember a black guy screaming Rodney King as he's being beat up, which is is not something that would happen in a in a family film today. Uh, it's not like you're gonna have someone being choked and being like Eric Gardner, Eric Gardner, like like that sounds horrible because it is, and yeah. yet that's also technically how the Rodney King joke should have played back then, but just didn't. No, it didn't because really uh, racism wasn't that big of a deal back then. It's uh, unfortunate, but it's definitely kind of true in the sense that uh, it was a punchline. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, before I open it up, I, I sure. this is just a dumb movie that I I have even as an adult uh, a lot of fun with, and honestly, even in the dramatic parts, it's actually kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. So this is like everything. This is the platonic ideal of what a child would want out of a family drama. And the idea that it actually gets that right is kind of weird because so many movies that are aimed at children today talk down to them instead of trying to get at what they might hope for their, you know, family or for something like a holiday or whatever. So it's just refreshing to actually see a, even if it's fucking stupid at times, (laughs) uh, uh, to see a movie hinge on the idea of a father and son actually seeing eye to eye on a shared interest as something as stupid as a fucking Power Rangers knockoff. Yeah, I mean, this film uh, has a lot of interesting thoughts. Uh, one of them being that all white people work in a sweatshop that exists in downtown Minneapolis, which is kind of weird. Well, that's just true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then also, too, um, anything involving the storyline with Phil Hartman is so fucking weird throughout so this. So Phil Hartman in this movie <laughs> is amazing. He is. Like, absolutely. Yes, I said this while we were watching it, but he is the only person who does not embarrass himself at any point during this movie because he is so over the top that he's never not in control of what he's doing in any scene. But here's why it works so well, because he's so self-aware that he knows exactly what he's doing. He's playing with it. Well, you have the opposite end of the spectrum. Arnold has no fucking clue what he's doing. (laughs) And yet it's working out because he thinks he's giving a good performance, but Actually, he's giving a ridiculously bad performance, yes. but it's okay because it still lands, even though he's not—he's trying. <laughs> yeah, no, because he's playing a dad who's out of his element and behind the times. It works, but that's like a lucky coincidence. Absolutely. Yeah, no. Yep. Yeah. I agree with that, too. That's like why I pretty much said it's like kind of watching him struggle to fit in. It's because he genuinely is trying to struggle, whereas Phil Hartman knows exactly what he's doing and who his character is. Yeah. These cookies. What's weird is that I totally remember almost every Phil Hartman line from this film, like from the cookies line to, you know, others to whatever. One thing I vaguely forgot about just over time was the weirdly sinister aspect of his character. Like, I remember him being a creep, but I don't remember him like, like, for example, not even like him being just an awful 
powerful person in the car with the wife. Before that, I don't remember until we watched it, uh, after Arnold Schwarzenegger's character pulled out of the driveway and he's still left with the reindeer, the way he just kind of like, like he drops his facade completely. No, that happens too. He shows his ass in the scene uh, when uh, he tells her to go in the shower, which is really creepy. And then he like burns his fingers. Yes. And then the kids aren't even like doing anything that bad. He just turns around, just screams, pipe down in there. And that's when I made the joke that he's definitely the kind of father who would throw an ashtray at his child. (laughs) Uh, and I'm not wrong. <laughs> no. no. But no, no it, it's just really creepy. And yet, uh, Phil Hartman's just amazing. Oh, he was, I mean, and just the way he delivers his lines throughout this film, he just got that, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I can definitely come over and help you out with your problems there. Maybe I can stay afterwards then. Yeah. It's like, ugh. So weird. Also, too, this I film love... uh, goes out of its way to never comment on how all of the um, parents, other than uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, his wife, played pretty well by um, yeah. Tom Hanks's wife, Rita Wilson. She... Rita Wilson. I don't mean to pigeonhole her, but man, that is a '90s actress, so to speak. Oh, sure. Like, oh, absolutely. Like she is right there with like Joan Allen and a few others who Maybe. were just. Uh, I was gonna say Mini Driver, but yeah, um, I mean that was definitely Andy her. McDowell too. Yeah, Meg Ryan. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. just that kind of like Andy carousel McDowell. of like, oh, you know, we need whatever, and and I don't, and I'm saying like they're all for the most part uh, great actresses or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just a weird time capsule. Unfortunately, men uh, transcend the era usually that mm-hmm. they're in. But anyway, but pretty much everybody. <laughs> Nick looked right at me when he said that. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be like, "Yeah, Alex, eh, <laughs> bros." Before oh, I should have just looked oh, at the empty chair that is oh, Toussaint. That is Toussaint. <laughs> yep, he has morphed into an empty chair. <laughs> no, it's like Clint Eastwood right here. <laughs> Nick's having his Clint Eastwood moment. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, oh. <laughs> Wow. I was adjusting the microphone. Stand. I see that. Yes. Wow. If only we had a camera here so people could see what a disaster Thank this God is. Thank God we don't. It really is good. <laughs> um, yeah, there seems to be uh, single parents around everywhere, and yet there's no commentating on are all of them divorced? Are all of them widowers? Like, it's this weird, like, everyone's just cool with the fact that one parent has gone from every single family except yeah. for the main one, which is really weird. Pretty much. Even Sinbad is, Sinbad is clearly a single parent in some capacity, or at least he's the other single parent in yeah, some capacity. Let's talk about the morality of Sinbad's character at some point. S- yes, yeah, Sinbad's character. We can do that right now okay. if you want. Because, oh boy, how about, that, how about that scene when they're in the uh, famous diner in downtown Minneapolis and he basically morphs into Jake Lloyd yeah. as he's wearing the oversized um, mailman outfit. And he just starts drinking the alcohol saying, this is your fault, Dad, or something like that. And it's just like, what? I remember that scene fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> like, I forgot I can it. imagine. I forgot it existed. And then watching it today, I had like a PTSD flashback. Oh, no. To me learning that, like, you know, sometimes children don't grow up to be what they want to be. And I was just like, oh, no. But his character starts off like a buddy cop type, you know, whatever, as far as like he's an annoying sidekick. 
by the end of the movie, he is basically completely complicit and okay with possible child murder. And he's rewarded for that. I feel like maybe we get a bit of foreshadowing into the fact that he's not a good guy because in his introductory scene, he just starts like choking that woman. That's that is up, true, too. but so, that woman is like, surprisingly okay with that oh. because the moment he removes his hand, she's just kind of like, mm-hmm, did I do my acting? <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny thing about that is that scene uh, had no script. That was just Sinbad going off the cuff. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> so. oh, man, that's not going to be okay uh, with the... Uh, <laughs> Actors Guild, but uh, you know what? We're going to leave that in. He's not a member, so yeah. <laughs> it's doesn't fine. matter. <laughs> he was in Kazam, the fake genie movie. Oh, my uh, God. That's the one that's not on his Wikipedia page. I tried oh, to look for it. That's because that's not a real movie. What if he took it out, huh? What do you mean it's not a real movie? I saw Disney. I see it on the yeah, Disney Channel. Uh... Oh my god, everything is terrible. <laughs> oh. I thought it was called Shazam. No, that was Shaq in that, by the way. That's Wait, are you being serious? Be- That's right what now? I was thinking of. Oh. I was you're thinking being of, serious. I right was now. yes, I was thinking oh. of Shazam with Shaq. Yeah, no, no, no. So I there's, am so there's, sorry. No, no, you're not. Don't be sorry because that's <laughs> racism. An act- no, but that's what? an actual Alex. It's okay. Alex. That just happens to be another black person. It's no, okay. but that is a real thing on the internet right oh, now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> which is that people <laughs> believe that there was a movie with Sinbad called Kazam. <laughs> like, separate. Even people who remember the Shaq movie called, uh, wait, no, Shazam. Yes. No, no, no. Shazam. Shazam was the one with Sinbad. Well, the fake one was. No, that's Kazam. I is think. It? I think. I thought Kazam was. Oh boy. We're having to look this up. We now. we're going to have to. Although I will say uh Alex by the way, we're probably going to watch the Shaq movie at some point. No, Kazam was real. It's the one that had Shaq in it. Okay, okay, that's Kazam. That's what I said. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Shazam is a fake movie that people think that they remember starring Sinbad in the same movie basically, which never okay. existed. It's kind of like how people think that the bursting bears are spelled with a B E A and but they're actually spelled with like Bernstein or something. So it's a Mandela um, effect. Yes, it's exactly like that. Oh I think, my God. First of all, this is fantastic. Yes, because I'm looking at the poster for Kazam. Yes, uh, and first of all, it has Shaq coming out of uh, the same stereo, pretty much. It looks yeah. like from Do the Right Thing. Which oh is yeah, really no, weird. no. Have you ever seen that movie, by the way? Uh, not the whole Kazam. Thing, no. I mean, yeah, no, not Do the Right Thing. We did an episode. We did. Yeah. Um, Oh, man, there's a... God, that's a movie I remember every scene from. I remember the scene where he feeds French toast to the kid. I remember the scene <laughs> where he awkwardly... feeds <laughs> French toast. No, I guess a scene. Yep. Yeah. I remember the scene where he awkwardly showers in the kitchen. That uh, is... Shack. That, that is a problem. Yes. It is a very big problem because he has a very big sponge that he uses. <laughs> and yeah. Um... <laughs> We're going to watch that at some okay, point. Okay, so anyways, uh, this is the tagline for Kazam. Also, too, um, everything about the poster is pretty normal, except yeah. for the Kazam, which is basically written in graffiti, which is racist. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> if, Okay, if I was a little kid, I would have just thought that was like the Space Jam logo. Oh, absolutely. It was yeah. the, that same era and everything. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but, I mean, you're right. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it has to be, looking at it now. Yeah. But anyways, the tagline is, He's a rapping genie with an attitude. He's ready for slam dunk fun. He, <laughs> to be fair, he is. <laughs> like that's not false. 
I feel bad because we rip on all the community people who write the IMDb taglines now. But really, but boy, are they actually improved worse? over the years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Sinbad was not in a genie movie, even though a lot of people believe he was. And apparently it stems from the fact that he was one time on a channel, like a movie channel, where he was hosting interstitials between an actual movie marathon where he was dressed as a genie. Oh my so, God. like, the memories of that was blending with the memories of whatever. I can't believe it. Yeah. My mind tricked me. I know, buddy. Speaking of... Uh... <laughs> Speaking of the genie, who is excited for that Guy Ritchie Aladdin oh, movie? Fuck me. <laughs> no, really. That might be a bomb. I'm less excited for Dumbo, Fucking... that's for sure. Less, less what? Oh, less yeah. excited for Dumbo. I don't think that's going to be good. I'm more excited for that only because I fucking hate Guy Ritchie and Will Smith. <laughs> so, like, the idea that there's a Disney movie coming out with those All, two. Also, we have a definitive Aladdin. It exists. Yeah. So. It's yeah. true. This is... Not necessary. Also, too, they um, decided instead of uh, trying to go like with the previous Disney plan of hiring someone who is of note to play the villain, they just decided to find a random person who looks like a terrorist to play Jafar. Uh, well, which... they were under pressure to <laughs> actually. No, I'm dead serious. Like that was actually a thing. Like I don't really, really? mind that. Yeah, the the idea was that they were under pressure to get someone who is actually of that nationality because Disney is one to whitewash. Which is which is fine. Yes. But <laughs> you But they shouldn't do that? <laughs> no, they should. However, the fact that you're trying to find a scary looking person who could be a bomber instead of finding someone who's actually a good performer in there yeah. is kind of a weird casting I feel choice. Like you might be mind. reading your own <laughs> Like, what do you mean that he looked like a bomber? I haven't seen a picture, that's so okay. I genuinely don't know. Okay, that's fine. I, <laughs> I'm probably being a terrible person here, which is I mean, okay. I've won every day, so it doesn't matter. But. Yeah, I know. I think, I think the problem <laughs> is is I loved Aladdin when I was a kid, and I specifically loved Same. Jafar. So, so does that mean we're yeah. getting three of these in this year? We're getting The Lion King, Aladdin, and Dumbo? Yes. And, and all in, like, succession. In like, all in, like, yeah. three months. Yeah. Pretty much. That's awful. Yeah. And there's a chance Literally, they're all going to suck. And one of them might be good, but the fact that we're getting all three in one year is just a really bad sign. I actually think there's a chance Dumbo can be good, but Tim Burton is such a wild card that I can't. I for sure. just I I am not looking forward to Dumbo at all specifically because of Tim Burton. I That's have fair. a hard time lending him my attention for something aimed at children that isn't Nightmare Before Christmas because I feel like that is kind of an that icon- wasn't even his. Film. I was gonna say that's not a Tim Burton film. Everybody thinks it is, but he was just a producer. This is a mind fuck day for Anna. <laughs> I was right gonna here. say this is just like the Kazam. <laughs> There's no Shazam. Shazam and Tim Burton. I'll just isn't go fuck real? myself. It's fine. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> no, it was um, directed by I forget his name, but he also went on to do Leica animation stuff, like um, uh, Coraline. But Tim Burton was a so um, did the same guy a do producer. Corpse Bride? No, no Tim that Burton was Tim Burton. Bride. Tim okay. Burton was involved. Here's the thing: in <laughs> Tim Burton Before was a, a producer, and he did the voice, right? No, that was the uh, that, that was the, Elfman, I think. 
Danny Elfman. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, I remember. Because they hired someone to do the voice, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. No, but <laughs> Tim Burton was a producer and certainly had a stamp all over it. Uh, but the guy who directed that went on to do Coraline. And I believe the guy who directed that also worked on Tim Burton's films before that movie, like okay. uh, Batman and such, sure. as either as something. I'm learning so much today. But, but anyway, I'm not yeah. looking forward to Dumbo. Dumbo feels like Fair. it's a somewhat handcuffed Tim Burton, which is usually the best kind. So we'll see. I don't know. Um, out of the three of those, I feel like that's the one that has the best chance to be good. Me and Nick talked about this a little bit last yeah. week. It seems like the more I think about it, and you were kind of just making me think even more like this, Nick, oh. but that Lion King film looks like it could be a disaster. I think it has the potential to be. I think mm. it has the potential to be, too. Unfortunately, however... I'm going to see it anyway. Oh, so oh no. So I mean, we all are at this we table. We all are. <laughs> my biggest thing about that is just that the the fact that, in my opinion, out of the three films coming out this year, that's the best original film Like uh, that these are all based on. Like I think The Lion King is one of the masterpieces of Disney. Mm-hmm. And the trailer, even though it is a shot-by-shot you know, remake of the original trailer, which they did for the Beauty and the Beast remake and mm. whatnot. Like, I get that that's the theme of the trailer, but because this trailer doesn't show you the animals singing, makes me think that they are making sure you are not exposed to that as much <laughs> as you possibly can be before you are already sitting down to watch what that's could be fair. a because horrible you, sight. And and you know what? Uh, it may also be to something where when people go see it, they may actually really like it, but it may yeah. have an effect like Bohemian Rhapsody has had where people went and saw it and they're like, oh, we love that. Nostalgia. Yeah. And then they saw it again. They're like, that movie was shit. And here's the thing. <laughs> I can envision a world in which the circle of life scene is good in a live at, uh, live action, quote unquote, CGI, I guess, yeah. adaptation of The Lion King. Because I don't think you can really fuck that up if you have good CGI. Like, that's made for uh, spectatorship. You know, it's it's made to watch and to have sweeping camera movements. Everything after that scene, though... It's going to be fucking awkward if it's even the least amount of just uncanny valley. How about, how about, how about valley. the scene with um, um, Whoopi Goldberg's character? Yeah, what, the hyenas. The hyenas. Yeah. And the how about how about the uh, scar scene with the uh, be prepared be where prepared, it gets yeah. super yeah. Nazi? Uh, are, are we going to just get rid of that? No, and that's the, the thing. thing I, is, we shall see. The thing I was saying yes. to Nick is that I feel like we have not reached a point where we have. CGI talking animals no. without a human presence to break up. The right, right. Weird... They have to bounce off of something. Yes, yeah. and now you're just going to have animals talking to animals that are not actually real, and it's going to be super fucked up. The worst thing is that the <laughs> cast that they have for this movie is actually decent. Like these yeah. seem like the modern day Donald equi- Glover, yeah. Beyonce, James Earl Equ- Jones is yeah. coming back. Equivalent of what they I'm used to do, but James Earl Jones. Let's yeah, not that could be bad, but he's also yet but he's also barely in it due to his character. This is true. However, I'm still worried because nerd showing here when he comes back and does Darth Vader's voice. Yeah, in uh, Rogue One, he clearly sounds like an old man trying to do Darth Vader's voice. Yeah. So now that. I'm very worried that it's going to be an old man. Simba, remember yeah. who you are. <laughs> Pretty much. I'll, t- I'll take what I can get at this point from James Earl Jones. Also, it'll be great if he just coughs in it, and they're like, we did 300 takes, and that was the best one. Yeah. 
No, I, I, I just think it's there's a very good chance that it's going to be awful. And I also mm. think it might be okay, but I'm just... I almost think I'd be more okay if they just did a straight remake and maybe just did, like, 3D animation. You know, just, like, updated it because that cast is actually okay, but I don't know that I need to see it in the actual fucking wild. Like, I know what you need to see. Yes. You need to see Will Smith doing full Fresh Prince well, in not. Aladdin. Mm. Do, 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 do. Come on, Jeffrey. First of all, uh, as that's uh, exactly what that's going to be. No, but have you seen the um, uh, the guy who uh, is a very funny person, who's a comedian, who has a very prolific Twitter account? Have you seen Demi uh, Adiebe's Twitter account where he does these fake songs? (laughs) And the first one he, I think, that gained a lot of notoriety was when he jokingly leaked Disney Expo's first look at Will Smith as the genie, which was from like two years ago, mm-hmm. um, where he had this fake rap song that he does that sounds like what Will Smith would do as the genie. And it's hilarious. <laughs> have you seen that? I have nope. to look that up. Okay. That was the one. When who... we finish this episode, we're going to watch well, we have lots that of things to do. Yeah, and Santa's lots... sleigh. So um, that is this. I want to make sure I yeah. know who you're talking about. Yes. He was fairly prominent on Vine, I yeah. believe. Okay. Yeah. He's exact. Yes. Yes. And then I believe one of his Vines was Philippe's not your dad. And then he has like the, that sounds like something. The guitar. Yeah. <laughs> right now he's pretty famous for doing the, uh, uh, September gag where he does the earth, wind and fire song. Uh, you know, body, uh, say that you remember whatever the date is. I forget the fourth the- or the fifth. 21st night of September. Something like yeah. that. But that day, Feels like so like calendar. Uh, is Vine still a thing? No. Yeah. No, it's literally so. um, like. Not, it's just archive yeah. stuff now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he does a video where every year he does a bigger video than the last. Like the <laughs> first one he did, it was just like him kind of dancing in front. But like. <laughs> By the latest, the fact that Nick actually danced there was great. <laughs> but no, but by the latest one, which is only like three videos later, he's like his ended with a full choir backing him <laughs> up. Where it was, it was fucking hysterical. Anyway, he owned that Twitter, so continue. He is very good at it. He is. Yeah, some people just have really good Twitter game. They do. Mm. I am not one of them. <laughs> Me neither. So I do. one thing I do want to talk <laughs> about, yeah. Pay that back a little harder, just a little bit. Uh, before we we close out this episode, which has been all over the place, which is really fun. Uh, the ending scene of this film, I have always felt was absolutely fantastic, only because it involves a silly holiday parade um, with commentators, which is amazing because any commentators you have are just fantastic. And you have these people who are supposed to be, uh, one of them is a weatherman whose name is Gale Force, which is great. Anyways, uh, you have commentators, you have the family there, uh, you have the finale of Arnold trying to find a Turbo Man, and he literally becomes Turbo Man, which is fantastic. Uh, And then, of course, you have Sinbad, who becomes uh, whatever the, you know, Dementor. Me, I don't know. Yeah, some, yeah. whatever the evil character is. It's weird is. that they say nobody likes Booster, and yet literally Booster and Turbo Man are the two most memorable characters, whereas sure. no one remembers the villain. No. Yeah. Booster was my personal favorite. Oh, okay. well, Booster gets called a homophobic slur. That is true. Uh, and it is undeniable that <laughs> that is what the. And it's yep. by undeniable. a child, too. 
it's by a child too, which That's is true. even even worse. Well, you know, you're born with it. <laughs> Maybelline? What the fuck? Yep. Now I'm just thinking. Anytime I think of anything like homophobic, I just think of uh, Thomas Middleditch in uh, the movie Tag. Fucking homophobe. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that was one of the good best scene. comedy scenes in the past year. It was. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's between. Oh, for me at least, it's between that and the um, the scene when uh, what's her face is trying to uh, um, manually fix the bullet hole in Jason Bateman in Game Night. That was oh, just yes. fantastic. Yeah, Rachel McAdams. Oh, right. yeah, so that good. was great. She's anyway. on YouTube trying to find out. It's like, <laughs> oh man, so squeaky good. toy. Yep. That was great. But rubbing back to the finale scene, everything about that is just so wonderful. Um, and then the idea of him actually being Turbo Man and going through all of this to try to find the Turbo Man character and also trying to be a better father. And then it, it turns out that those are kind of one and the same. Yeah. And it's such a silly, like, South Park kind of conclusion of, look, everything's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, uh, it is pretty wonderful that this wraps up with him now being a better dad and at the same time finding Turbo Man. Yeah. Um, and it's silly and kind of, you know, simple. But at the same time, I, I just love it. I love the ending. I love the way it ties in. It's... it's uh, it is something. And also, too, um, it is basically just ripping off the initial scene we see early on. Um, and that's pretty fantastic. So, yeah. 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 Uh, pretty much agree with everything Alex said. I did really enjoy this movie quite a bit. And the ending was just very, very good. Um, and the fact that it. Sonic the Hedgehog was there, too. Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> was there. You were excited about I that. I was so excited. All of the. Well, I mean, I think I like all of the details in the parade, which is what made like the ending so a good. Big parade from uh, Milwaukee. No, not Minnesota. Minneapolis. Minnesota. Not Minneapolis. Yeah. Minneapolis. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it is funny. It is funny, too. It is, it is kind of cool to see uh, that 90s time where it was kind of like an eclectic group of all these different properties before they were like known as properties because right, you had things yeah. like Burt and Ernie who are walking together holding hands which I found was mm. pretty awesome <laughs> yeah. uh, and then you have Sonic the Hedgehog you have random Cabbage Patch Kids running yeah. through yes. there. You Paddington have, you have Paddington, Paddington Bear. Bear Gumby was there Gumby yeah. you had yes. uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots you had, uh, you had random crayons I was going to say Crayola crayons. yeah Crayola crayons those were really cute and yeah. then you had um People just dressed up as ornaments and boxes. Yeah, I do also okay. like when Simbad runs into them and pushes them over. Get out of the way, box! <laughs> <laughs> what a great actor. Yeah, yeah, that that whole scene was really, really good. He wasn't acting. <laughs> yeah. That whole scene was just a whole bunch of fun. So, it was. Um, I really liked how everything came together. I liked how the what we know now as an antagonist gets his comeuppance. Um, and then, of course, we get the nice bow at the end when the cop congratulates uh, Turbo Man on such a great job, and then he turns around to see that it is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, so that was a really good time. So I'm really glad that we watched this movie because I really liked it. So, yeah. yeah. Do you... Do you- do you want to? Did you have anything to say about no, the film, no, no. or do you want to say? Do you want to just give your rating because it seemed like that was a nice little wrap yeah. up there? You we'll just start it up. Yeah. I I can give my final rating. Um, so I would give this a three out of five stars. Nice, because I liked it, but I didn't love it, and I didn't hate it. So solid, mm. like 
Yeah, right on. Hell yeah. I uh, I was surprised that watching it so far removed from my childhood that it was still enjoyable and not in a laughable way. I mean, that obviously came up at a oh, lot of parts mm-hmm. and whatnot. But if my future possible child, not future as in I know my future, but if a child wanted to watch this with me, I would not be that disheartened. In fact, I would choose this over a lot of Christmas shit because at the end of the day, this gets from scene to scene in a very economic way to the point where, you know, it starts and then the movie's over and I think it's laughable in between and a lot of funny, ridiculous parts. And yet I also think it kind of works as a family melodrama. So I have to admit I'm kind of surprised because I'll give it a three out of five as well. And I think it sucks. (laughs) And yet I can't really deny because of the fact for me personally of when I saw it versus how I see it now. Like if if I had never seen it, I don't know that I would be comfortable enough for me personally. Like I wouldn't get, but a lot of things come rushing back when I watch it now. And so it's definitely something that works even though it shouldn't. So here's something I will say before I get into my final rating. Yes. Uh, Somebody wrote and had to direct Arnold Schwarzenegger to dive after a bouncy ball that was continuously bouncing. It goes there were too over... many fucking balls on that ground for him to get that worried about not getting a ball. So the ball <laughs> bounces true. over the edge in the mall as he's sliding up against the door and hits his face against yeah. the window. The ball bounces under the edge. Right. But, <laughs> but the fact that the ball bounces right down into a child who is in a stroller right by their private parts. Yes. And some... Carol Burnett, by the way, <laughs> yeah. in a very young role. Nice Carol Burnett second reference. There you go. Yep. Anyways. So, so Arnold Schwarzenegger, somebody was like, here's what you need to do. And this is the exact way you need to do it. Where he's like, somebody stop that. That's my ball. I don't know why that accent was awful, but I'm sorry. Anyways, that was, that was the line and he delivered it. Put that cookie down. And he's just, oh man, like that was. (laughs) That was in the script and it was great. And. That, as I was mentioning before, that the pedophilia in that scene feels like, ugh. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's really gross. Oh, man. And yet he still just is just running after that. With the, a nice, red, shiny that, ball. That is so fucked up. When he tries to trade balls with the kid, he's like, I've got the red ball for you. And it's like, mm. oh, god damn it. Yeah, and then uh, the parent-teacher console uh, <laughs> just start fucking wailing with at their him. With their oversized, yeah. oversized yeah. purses. And that the are, wrapping paper. In the wrapping paper. Don't forget about that. That's the other thing that's charming about this film is it uses all of the like Christmas-y type things you would see and just kind of has them around town. Like the fact that he runs into a Santa Claus who happens to, instead of selling drugs, sells toys on the black market. Okay, so I would love to know more about the purpose. That's a movie in and of itself. Exactly. (laughs) I would love to know more about the purpose of John Belushi and those characters. Jim Belushi. Excuse me. Please do not soil that name. So sorry. I knew (laughs) as soon as it came out of my mouth that I was probably saying the wrong name. It's real easy to do that. Yes. So you're good. So Jim and his fiends over there 
other than serving as just a plot device for Arnold, I would really like to know what the heck was going on there. Well, how about the fact that I, I was having a hard time with it? Because, like, from a visual level, this is just a bunch of people making shitty toys. So, unless there's drugs in all of these toys, why is there this huge bust happening? Yeah, and they're making these toys, but they're also wrapping them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that bothered me, but... <laughs> <laughs> It's something to, I feel like maybe in like the most simplistic way, if you don't really put too much thought into it, it's like, oh, it's just, you know, a shady volunteer organization. But why does a volunteer organization need to be shady? Like, why does Toys for Tots need to resort to this? But what what so. what, what are they doing that is so illegal that it required a SWAT team? <laughs> Again, our, our... Uh, a SWAT team that is like... <laughs> shall we say, easily dumbfounded by an FBI agent who just happens to be there who says he's in, been investigating this case for three years. <laughs> they also, uh, for yeah, three years, too. Yeah. When you have a little fucking, when you have a, when you have a pop-up um, Christmas knockoff. Um, Can we talk about, really quick. I, I, yeah. Can we just really quickly talk about that scene? Because there's <laughs> so there's a lot of Santas in that scene, and there's not Including a lot of variety. Troyer, yes, there's a who Verge. goes flying across, he like sure does. all the way, like yes. shot out of a rocket Jingle ship. Jingle all the way, you might say. <laughs> um, but can I just say when Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to fight a Santa? Not yeah. the Santa yet, but no. and then the other Santa, the wrestler that we were talking yeah, about the big earlier. Show. Yeah, big show. Shows up as a six year old maybe when I first saw this, and then slightly older. Uh his outfit is weirdly sexual. Like I get that like fighting sometimes happens with like no shirt and whatever, but I feel like it's the straps, the uh you know, it's the suspenders that really uncomfortably turns that scene into something slightly more homoerotic than it was intending. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like it was a step away from him walking in wearing, like, a satin teddy or something yeah. like that. Like, if he showed him with no shirt and just pants, I probably wouldn't, like, think anything weird. But because of those suspenders, those Santa North Pole... Uh, suspenders. Santa North Pole. Yeah, Santa North Pole candy cane. I'm just going to start naming more. uh, Christmas things? Yeah, yeah, Christmas things. Suspenders. There's there's just something like, as a viewer, you're watching testosterone fight each other, and yet you're always conscious of the fact that you could just kind of snap one of those and, you know, give him a boner. And it's just... (laughs) It's just weirdly, it's weirdly sensual in a way that I don't think I quite understood what was happening to my body when I was a child and watching that scene. What? Whoops. Um, but as an adult, I'm very cognizant of the fact that that scene made me uncomfortable because I just don't know that children need to be subjected to uh, Santa suspenders. Okay. Seemed like you got a little caught up in your argument there. It's a little nipply out. Okay. I mean, actually looking at that scene and like the weirdness of it, um, on a broad view, it seemed like they had to try to find a reason to have Arnold fight somebody and show yeah. off his combat But why wouldn't skills? he fight someone in a Santa suit? I don't know, man. Why That's what does I'm saying. he there, this have film goes to out of its have way. an oiled body? <laughs> 
casually have suspenders because draped over Because you have to eventually them. fight the boss in a level of a video game. Yeah, but usually bosses wear, like, more clothing. <laughs> like, they have, like, garish outfits. It's not like you get to the end and it's like, whoa, why are they half naked? I guess I won't fight them now. It's Yeah. It could have been worse. It could have been... It could have. Well, I mean, it could have been worse. <laughs> I was going to say, he could have yeah. turned around and it could have been Burt Reynolds from Striptease hey, with butter oh, all wow. over him. Look at that candy cane. <laughs> Oh, he died this year. That's a shame. Oh, my God. I wonder what photo they're going to use for his memoriam. I hope they use the photo from Striptease. They won't. Well, okay. what do they do for Golden Globes? Two can things. Can they do Smokey? Did, they're always going to use did, Smokey. I know. Didn't watch that part of it, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Two yeah. things. So, um, on, like, WGN, they did a very end-of-the-year, like, wrap-up of, like, an in-memoriam, and the photo yeah. that they used of Burt Reynolds for that was the one where he's naked and lying on a fur rug. I thought that was really bizarre. Oh, yeah, his uh, Playboy. or No, it was either Playboy or Penthouse, but, yeah. One of those, I and, I, and I was like, this is an in-memoriam. That's fun. That's that was weird, kind of a moment, though, for him. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, continue. and then, two, there was one day shortly after Burt Reynolds passed, I was in a mood and Ooh, I saw whoa. this meme. Where's this going? I saw this meme that made me burst into tears. <laughs> it was the poster of All Dogs Go to Heaven, uh, and all of the actors. All birds go to heaven. All of the actors have passed, and I saw that, and it just made uh, me just bawl. Yeah, it was uh, so upsetting because I loved that movie as a kid. I watched that all the time. Yeah. You know, right? So, oh man. I mean, I didn't yeah. believe in it cuz I know dogs go to hell, but it was it was a comforting <laughs> thought. Shut, shut the fuck up, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so, overall, for oh, Jingle, yes, please. For continue. Jingle all the way. <laughs> I'm a big fan. I think this is a delightful movie, and even though I don't think this is like a masterpiece or anything in that neighborhood, I think this is a very solid three and a half out of five film um, that I've always enjoyed and I've liked for different reasons as I've gotten older. And it is, um, I think, unintentionally what it ended up being is I, I'm almost positive that the filmmakers when this came out in the mid 90s were probably not like people are going to look back on this and be like, oh, look at that nice little time capsule. <laughs> but yet I still feel like that's exactly what this is. And I am. Um, pretty much love it yeah so um if anybody out there has any thoughts on jingle all the way always feel free to send them on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com i will not fuck this up i will say thank you first <laughs> to anna Botazadu for joining us again of course thank you for having me we're looking forward to uh hopefully seeing you in a couple weeks as uh after we do our year yearly review top six episode, we were talking about getting together to do an episode on uh, Mary Poppins Returns. So that'll be cool if we're uh, able to get together again and, and do an episode on that. So we're Very looking cool. forward to having you back again. And uh, hopefully um, we'll be able to make that episode happen. Awesome. Cool. Can't wait. So from Anna and Nick hey. and myself, Alex, thank you very much for catching up with us here on Film Tank. We'll catch up with you next time. Thank <laughs> you.